Well, as uh, Pastor Dan prayed, there was certainly a terrible tragedy uh, this week in Andover, just down the street from here. A man killed his wife, his 12-year-old son, shot them, and turned the gun on himself. It's uh, unfathomable, unimaginable darkness and pain that would bring somebody to that point. And um, we try to make sense of these things. We can't. What we do know for sure, though, is that this world is full of darkness and pain. And so many around us are struggling with uh, serious mental health issues or issues of feelings of hopelessness or helplessness or despair. And that's the world we navigate. Today we're going to look at two visions from Revelation chapter 7. This is an important message for us today, just as it was for the churches in the first century who first received this revelation from God that was given to them. The purpose of this vision was to give a glimpse of eternal blessedness to these people who were about to enter just a very very dark hour of their lives. It's a glimpse of heaven to those who are facing hell on earth, essentially. Torture, killing, persecutions. And the question that is posed is, who can withstand? Who can withstand this? And the answer is that it's the redeemed people of God who can withstand and and walk through this type of of hour, this dark hour. Um, It's the people of God, the redeemed people of God, sealed by God's Holy Spirit, worshiping God on earth as it is in heaven. That's, That's who will persevere. That's who will withstand. Let us pray. Father, it's with heavy hearts from what has happened in our community, what is happening in our world, what we feel and experience in our own lives, Lord, that we we turn to you now and we pray that this vision of blessedness would transform us as we reflect on it, that it would transform our lives, that it would transform our perspective, it would transform the way we see this world in light of the world to come. So, Father, teach us now. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We left off in uh, chapter 6 last week. We had these, this image of um, these horsemen uh, running around the earth and uh, bringing about death and destruction. And we have an image of, these, of, the, of those who have died calling out to God, how long until we're vindicated? And then we have an image of the end of the age as we know it, sort of... Um, <clears throat> The, the end of the, the cosmos as, as we know it. And um, now we have these two visions, and they're described here between all those images from last week were these six seals that were being opened off of this scroll that was part of a vision. And the seventh seal d- doesn't come yet. We have these two visions in between. But these events don't seem to happen in between those times. It's not chronological. And that can become kind of confusing for us. In fact, the whole thing here is, this can be confusing because it's these two images. One, one appears, the first image appears on earth. The other image appears in heaven. The first image certainly happens before what we've just read in the previous chapter. So we're switching time and place. 
and you read these things through Revelation, you get a little confused. And many people who read through Revelation, it's hard because we are, the way that we were raised, for those of us raised in kind of Western culture, we think very linear and chronological, and we, we think logic, you know, one thing leads to the next. And here we have images that seem almost out of order and out of place, and we can get a little bit lost. Now, these images definitely form one cohesive unit, but we get into trouble when we try to force a strict chronology on these things, or just take all the pieces and just put them in the right order so they make sense to us. Because some of these images overlap each other. Some of these images overlay each other. They're different ways of describing things that are happening at the same time. So it can take a a little bit to untangle them, but if we just look at each one separately and what it's telling us, it really does... Uh, it does paint a picture for us. So let's look at these two visions. Again, why was it important for them, the early readers of this, the first readers of this, and why is it important to us today? So the first of the two visions here, the first one is the 144,000 um, that, that are sealed. So before the end of the world, so before what we call the sixth seal in this unfold. Un, the breaking of these seals, we have an angel who said, hey, we need to mark out, the, before the destruction comes, we need to mark out God's people. We need to know who they are, and we need to mark them or seal them. And the destruction is going to be severe, as we looked at last week, and essentially this is going to answer this question which we were left with last week in, in chapter 6, verse 17. Like, who can withstand what's about to happen? Who can withstand it? Well, here you go. Here's your answer. This is who can withstand this. It's the servants of God. It's those who have been marked or sealed for God. They've been marked out for salvation, and they're marked as God's own. So they are sealed, and John, who's writing these things down, he he hears a number. So he doesn't actually see it happening, but he hears a number, and it says this in in verse 4. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. So he doesn't necessarily see it, but he hears the number. Ah, yes, 144,000. That's the the true Israel. That's the number. This is a very symbolic number, and we should read it symbolically. So 144,000 is, uh, if it was literal, that's just not enough. That's just not a lot of people. it doesn't, the number doesn't mean much, but the number 12 in Scripture means a lot. You know, it was the, God had called Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, to be his people. Jesus called 12 disciples to be his followers. There's a great parallel there. Here we have 12 times 12 times 1,000, which means a big, huge number. It's very symbolic of a big, huge number of all of God's people. So 12 times 12 times 10 times 10 times 10. Perfect and big number. And uh, a lot of the numbers in Revelation we need to take symbolically. Jesus has already been described as having seven eyes. Jesus doesn't literally have seven eyes. The gospel writers would have certainly, all the paintings of Jesus would have seven eyes. That would be very remarkable. Having seven eyes is symbolic of Jesus' perfect vision and wisdom for the world. Again, a lot of symbolism here. So we've got to take these numbers symbolically. But Elsewhere in Scripture, it is described all of God's people. Who are all of God's people? Who is the true Israel? In Romans chapter 11, in the New Testament, it describes that there's, there's 
Israel is Jewish people who are God's people, but there's also non-Jewish people who are grafted like one tree and their branches grafted in and fully connected as one unit, as one people, one family. And it includes Jewish people and non-Jewish people, and it includes ethnically Jewish people who have uh, come to faith in Christ and grafted into this one beautiful tree. And that's the image of um, that, that's the image of Israel. You know, earlier in the letter, you know, in, earlier in these images, they, hey, Peter, how you doing, buddy? I love this guy. He's my second biggest fan, I, I swear. All right, I don't see her. Okay. Um, he said there's, the, there's those who claim to be Jews that aren't actually Jews. It, was, it wasn't a matter of just your ethnicity. It was your, it was your faith. It's about faith in Jesus. And so if, if this is all of those who have put their faith in Jesus, this 144,000, that's us. You're, if your faith is in Jesus, you're one of the 144,000 that are described here. Uh, and then, again, this is all throughout the, the scriptures we see this. Galatians chapter 3 puts it really well. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Like you're a descendant of Abraham, even if you're not ethnically Jewish, even if that's not your bloodline, you're adopted. You're an heir. You're part of that family. You've been brought in. Uh, Galatians 3, earlier in the chapter, says, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. It's a matter of faith, not of ethnicity. The scripture foresaw that God would justify Gentiles, that's non-Jews, would justify Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel, the good news, in advance to Abraham. He said, all nations will be blessed through you, Abraham. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And here, the true Israel of God is marked out. They are stamped for God. And it's the, it's the perfect number. It's the full family of God. So they are marked out. And they're marked with a seal. Now, it doesn't say here in the text, what is that seal that this angel is holding? Um, so... We don't know, but elsewhere in Scripture, it describes God's people, people of faith, as sealed. Ephesians chapter 3. This is very clear. God's word is so clear on this. Ephesians 3. You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. All believers are sealed with God's Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit in you that's the stamp, that's the marker on you that says that you are His. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says the same thing. It says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God has written His name on you. His Holy Spirit, and it's not just a mark, it's not just an outward thing, it is, it's inward and it's alive. And God's Holy Spirit is alive in his people. When you are marked as God's possession, that entails a lot of protection, that entails a lot of blessing that you are God's. And that guarantees what is to come in the future, whatever you experience in this life. And God said, hey, that one's mine, I wrote my name on it. It's his very Holy Spirit. For us, what do we do with that? Well, we, Scripture says what we need to do now is walk in step with the Spirit. 
that God's Spirit is alive in us. We need to never forget that. We need to know that God's Spirit empowers us to be his people, that God's Spirit gives us gifts that we use to serve one another and bless our world, that we, we are always empowered by the Spirit, but everything within our sinful nature wants to go our own way and go are on our own path, but the Spirit is saying, no, this is the way. The Spirit leads us to that which is true. The Spirit leads us to that which is good. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's stamped right on your forehead. It's right on the front of your face so that the whole world can see it. It's meant to be seen. It's, we're meant to experience God's Spirit and use all that the Spirit's doing to, to bless and to serve. And this is the reality for every person of faith in Jesus Christ. You can see how this is so important how it's so important for these Christians who are about to face such serious persecution and opposition, and some of them even facing death. And for us today, as we walk in a world that is so dark and can become so hopeless, that we're bringing the light of God's kingdom and his spirit and being part of God's people, God's Israel, to our world. That's how we live day to day. So that's the first image. All of God's people, the perfect full number, they're all sealed, marked with this Holy Spirit. Now, the second vision, the, the scene changes from earth to heaven, and, and now John sees what this looks like. So he heard the number, 144,000. Then he says, then I looked, and what does it look like? It, it looks like a great multitude that you couldn't even count. So to God, it looks like this perfect number, and it looks like one people, one perfect nation. John looks at it, and he said, I see people from all different nations. I see, this doesn't look like one family. This looks like all kinds of families, people of different ethnicities and languages and regions of the world. This is everybody. This is people everywhere. This is uncountable. This is a multi-ethnic, multilingual group of people. You know, Abraham, the God blessing the world through Abraham and the nation of Israel, you know, all his descendants, he was told, he said, you know, your descendants, they're going to be like the sand of the seashore. They're going to be like the, sky, the stars in the sky. You can't count how many people that is. And when God says, yeah, it's a perfect number, and John looks at it, he's like, no, this is like the stars of the sky. This is sand of the seashore. This is tons of people all worshiping God together. And I love when we get glimpses of that today, you know, sometimes we, we break out in different languages, and it's just, it's beautiful. I, the, a few weeks ago when Fernando was, he was talking about the very first hymn that he ever played in a church. He was 11 years old. He was the pianist that day, and he played this hymn that was based on the early passage in Revelation. And he was playing it for us, and then he just broke out into Portuguese. And I love that, because that's his heart language. That's how he learned to worship. I used to, every Sunday, I would stand right there, and we'd pray the Lord's Prayer together. And the woman behind me would pray it in Haitian Creole, because that's how she learned the prayer. And she's praying to Jesus in her tongue, and I'm, I'm praying to Jesus in my native tongue. And when you're with someone, they just start praying in their native language. There's just something right about it, because we are just of every language and tribe called to be one people worshiping God together. And that's why we value what God is doing all over the world. And we hear about world events. We hear about the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Actually, the same region where the, these, this letter was written, where those churches that were described, chapters 2 and 3, that this is 
That's the same place where this earthquake happened last week. And we, our heart breaks, first of all, for all people created in the image of God, that all life is precious to God. Therefore, all suffering is something that, we, that breaks our heart as well. But we think of these countries, very Muslim-dominated countries, but there are believers there. And there are Christians who are seeking to live as light and hope and to, to be a blessing in the midst of a terrible, terrible tragedy. And, you know, someday we're going to get to heaven and there's going to be people that come up to you and say, oh, Free Church Andover, thank you for supporting the seminary in Croatia because they trained a pastor from my town who equipped his congregation to live out their faith and one of my co-workers shared with me about Jesus Christ and here I am, thank you. You know, thank you for giving faithfully to Free Church Missions, right? That's kind of the bottom line of that. But there, there is a reality that when we support these works around the world, that God is using it in a thread that we may never fully see, but we know it's happening because it's going to be people from every tongue and tribe and language and we, all the different places that we specifically are supporting. And we always pray for God's work everywhere, especially in places of disaster, in places of persecution, in places of war. The vision here is that all of these people... Now, I believe that the 144,000 that are sealed in the first vision are the same multitude in the second vision, but now they're joining what we looked at in chapters 4 and 5. The elders, the creatures, the angels, they're joining in this heavenly worship, and they're wearing their white robes, which is a symbol of their blessedness a symbol of purity. They're waving branches, which is a, a symbol of worship and, and giving honor to the king, the king of kings. And, and there's this beautiful uh, worship that's happening, and they're crying out, uh, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb, that's Jesus. Salvation belongs to God, belongs to Jesus, and there is no other salvation. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. We live in a world that says there's lots of spiritual paths, you just find yours. We believe that those, every other path is a path to destruction, but Jesus, salvation comes from Jesus because of what he has accomplished. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. How did Jesus accomplish this? Verse 14, they have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. What a strange thing to say. How do you wash something in blood and it comes out white? Don't say cold water wash. That's just ridiculous. (laughs) Of course we understand this, that we were the ones who had the stain of sin on us, but Jesus takes it on the cross. It's his blood that purifies us, that we can be dressed in purity, dressed in white. And it's his blood that cleanses us. It's his sacrifice on our behalf. And here you have the redeemed people of God. They've been sealed, and now they are celebrating, and they're experiencing all of God's blessing. They're experiencing God's presence. They are not hunger. They have no hunger. They have no thirst. They have no tears to run down their face because they are... All that has been wiped away. God is providing in every way. There is no danger. That's the image here. So why is that an image that would sustain people in a dark world? People who are facing this, the, the terrible tribulation which will be faced. 
Here's what this means for us. Every week we gather, and we, as Jesus has taught us to pray, we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here is an image of heaven, and we're saying, Jesus has taught us that what is happening in heaven, we want to see here. So the presence of God that we experience fully in heaven, we want to experience now. And we can because we have God's spirit. The, the protection and the healing and the provision in heaven, we want to experience that here on earth. The wiping away of tears in heaven, we want to wipe away tears on earth. We want, to, we want to see God's kingdom come here. This whole image is not so that we can just get excited to escape this sinful world. This whole image is to give us endurance to live out our faith in this world, in our day, to the places where God has called you. Now, we'll know it in all of its fullness, but even just any little glimmer of it in our day, we need to live it now. The, the world needs Jesus our world is hurting. There is hunger. Think of these words. Hunger, thirst, tears. The tragedies we see, the darkness and the pain, so many people struggling, but we have so much hope. We have the very presence of God, the very Holy Spirit that we are sealed with. We can bring that to our world. How do we do it? Three ways. Prayer, care, share. We pray for people. We pray with people. We pray on behalf of people we don't even know. We pray with people we do know. We offer prayer, calling out to God that his kingdom would come in the lives of, the, of, of those who we're caring for. So we prayer, and then we care. We care for people. It could just be listening to somebody, serving somebody, providing for a need, whether it's through a ministry of a church or just an act of kindness to a neighbor or a friend. Prayer, care, share. We share Jesus. We share what Jesus has done in our lives, and we share the hope that anyone can have who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Because there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which we must be saved. It's in the name of Jesus and by what he accomplished on that cross and our faith in him that true salvation can be known. The purpose of these visions was to give a glimpse of eternal blessedness to people who were entering a very dark hour. This is to give a glimpse of heaven to those who would essentially be experiencing hell on earth. We are the redeemed people of God. We are the ones sealed by his spirit, worshiping God on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Father, let us take this vision. Give us the grace, your grace, to take this vision. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. To, that we might actually see your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. May it be your good pleasure to see hope and healing come into places of despair and darkness, Lord. That it, that it would come through us, your people, Lord. We are not worthy of it, but by faith we trust you for it. And we thank you that you are so good to give it to us, Lord, that our world might be changed for the good of your kingdom for the sake of your glory. May our lives be an act of worship to you. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.